If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 172 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on February the 26th, 2023, and we are back! Yes, sir! With a round of applause, let's go, baby! Baseball is back on my television, for crying out loud. Let's go. God, I'm hype. (laughs) Literally flipped on that Yes app. I shouldn't say really TV because it was on an app today. The Yes app had the Yankee game on amongst one of their two split squad games today. One against the Braves and the other against the Blue Jays. The one against the Braves at George M. Steinbrenner Field in Tampa was the one that was able to be viewed on the Yes app. If you were able to access it, I was. I was having a lot of trouble with it last season, but I'm able to access it now. So I watched some of the game there, and my God, I just could not be happier, guys. The offseason is over. And Yankees baseball, even though it doesn't count yet, (laughs) is back for our viewing pleasure. And we can watch our boys play baseball again in 2023 with a clean slate. And despite... All of my negative viewpoints on the team, despite my positive viewpoints on the team, the excitement right now just for baseball being back in general overtakes and conquers all of it. Whether it be negative, positive, doesn't matter. I'm just glad to have baseball back. That's always what it's like. First time watching baseball in months since the prior season ended and since the prior postseason ended. And usually after... The Yankees have broken our hearts once again, and we've had months for our hearts to mend somehow, and now we're ready for the heartbreak to happen all over again. (laughs) No, but seriously, I'm just so excited for baseball to be back. Action-packed day for me. I actually just got home not long ago for my dad's birthday lunch as well. Today is my dad's 65th birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. Love you to death. Thank you for all that you do. Cannot believe you're 65. I'm sure you can't believe it even more than I can't. But happy birthday to you nonetheless. Loved being at that lunch and spending time with everybody, the family, and all that good stuff. And also with all that combined with me being able to watch the Yankees again, you best believe this is a damn good Sunday, people. God, I'm just so hyped. <laughs> like I, I almost don't even know what to say. Like I just fired this thing up. And yeah, I have a couple of bullet points in like my notes each time I do an episode just so I make sure I don't forget to discuss anything major because I don't trust my memory. But... I never, like, put a script or anything. Sometimes I have little to nothing here. I'm just going because I'm just going to let the hype take care of it for me. That's what I do almost every week. But I'm just so excited, man. And there's some big talking points already through the first two days having played three games because, again, today was split squad. So yesterday, the Yankees didn't win the game, but, I mean, there's still some stuff to talk about from yesterday's game. They did lose 7-4 to against the Phillies. But you had Glaber 
hitting a home run. You had the Martian, Jason Dominguez. Obviously him, Peraza, any other prospect you think you can think of, depending on the trade, of course, or trade proposal, I should say. People putting their names in this, their names in that. I plead guilty to it sometimes, just depending on certain scenarios. We all talk about trades and who we may or may not include, depending on the trade. It's part of baseball discussion and speculation. It happens. But, Jason Dominguez, with... <laughs> I mean, to say that this was a tank job, I mean, it doesn't do it justice. I don't even know where this freaking thing landed. And from what I hear is his weaker side as well. He hit this from the right side, and he's a switch hitter. And he just hit... Again, even a nuke doesn't do it justice. I have no idea. This thing must still be orbiting the Earth. I have no idea where it is. He hit a bomb to left center field. Again, from what people consider to be his weaker side of the plate. And what an impressive shot it was. And although it was a blooper as well, our boy that we love so much, our charismatic kid, Oswaldo Cabrera, who I cannot get enough of. Yes, I voiced my doubts of having him in left field full-time because he's an infielder first, and I would like an outfielder, a true outfielder playing the outfield, despite me acknowledging his impressive plays at times in the outfield. I acknowledge it, I love it, and I love the kid Oswaldo himself. Although I'd prefer an outfielder playing the outfield. But... He made a sweet case for himself right away, despite it being a blue pit, but hey, a hit's a hit. Two-run single for him as well yesterday in the 7-4 loss. And today, some more big things happening that we like to see right off the bat. Pun intended. We had Jose Trevino, our recent platinum glove catcher, hitting a grand freaking salami to left field. Have no idea where that landed either. Another freaking bomb. That made it 4 to nothing at the time. And they scored three runs later on in the sixth inning after that on, I believe, because I didn't watch this particular inning, but Oswald, Oswald Peraza also played in this game. He got a hit in that inning as well. TJ Rumfield got a two-run double, that's right. And then Mickey Gasper, the, you know, the rookies were in by then. So the Yankees grabbed a 7-0 win against the Braves. So Trevino in that one looking, <laughs> I mean, hit a grand slam. What else need be said, really? And then also who started this game for the first two innings. A lot of eyes are on him as well. Our boy Clark Schmidt. And we spoke about him amidst talking about the recent discussion about Frankie Montas, which we'll get to in a bit, because in the last two weeks since I spoke to you, there's uh, there's even more news about him that came out, I believe, about a week and a half ago. And this definitely has to do with that, but it's definitely safe to say at this point that the Yankees are going to be looking at either... Schmidt or Herman to take that five spot for the foreseeable future in 2023. Possibly even for the entire season. Who knows? Depending on what happens, you know, things happen at the deadline. Anything can happen with a team throughout the season. Lots of things could happen. But at least for now, it's between Schmidt and Herman that everybody has in their minds for that five spot. And although on the field wise, especially with how much Clark Schmidt came in and had a lot of disappointing moments in big moments in games last year. I think it was easy for us to admit at that point, at least maybe not for everybody, because a lot of people have their personal feelings for Herman, really just have them not want him at all, which I will not fault them for having because it's valid. But I try to judge just on the field strictly, and when I do that, you know, going into this spring training, the better option is probably Herman. 
strictly from a pitching standpoint. But who would I rather? I mean, I'd rather Schmidt because, I mean, Schmidt's been being spoken about for years. He has had his big outings here and there, of course, mainly out of the bullpen and long relief. A lot of the bad moments we saw was when they had to try with starting him and it just didn't turn out well. But because of those bad moments, people were like, I don't know how I feel about Schmidt anymore. And I was a little bit a part of that crowd too. Although I'd rather him over Herman, because I'm just not a big fan of Herman. I'm really not for reasons that are obvious at this point, I believe. So, um, so this was a good sign to see in today's game. I was happy to see this. Schmidt pitched a perfect two innings, five strikeouts, didn't allow a damn thing, looked really good at the start of this game. That was another big takeaway. So the seven nothing game was good to see. And then some takeaways from the 9-5 victory against the Blue Jays. The Yankees won both of their games today. Uh, nobody really too notable out of the Yankee bullpen today or just pitching in general. It was mainly what was going on offensively. And the big name that was in the Yankee lineup, of course, that a lot of people had their eyes on, mainly, was Anthony Volpe. He was leading off first spring training game this year, and my boy went 2-for-4. for with two runs scored, two stolen bases even, I believe, because this game I didn't really get to see a lot of the results of because this wasn't on TV at all, um, at least from the Yankees' standpoint. Uh, at least I was able to catch some of the Yankees-Braves game on the Yes app, as I said. But Anthony Volpe making a pretty decent showing in his first spring training game in 2023. So that was an awesome takeaway. Yankees won that one 9-5. to It just seemed like I kept on getting notifications every time the Yankees scored. A lot of the time, it was like, Anthony Volpe scores, Anthony Volpe scores. I was like, good, he's doing stuff. <laughs> I just, I love the kids so much. He has such a down-to-earth and warm personality. I just want him to succeed. I really, really do. I am not a part of that crowd that's trying to fool themselves and saying, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to crack the roster on opening day. I could basically guarantee it's not going to happen. <laughs> I say the only time we see him, unless it's like in an absolute crisis, obviously, for whatever is to happen in that possible scenario, but I am almost positive that we only see him, and this is not even a guarantee, maybe when rosters expand. And there's some people asking like, oh, when do you think we'll see Volpe? I, I think it's not going to be at least, and this is even very a very slight possibility in my opinion, at the end of the year. But I still want to see him make a hell of a showing for himself in spring training, and today was a pretty good start to that. Pretty good. So today was, like I said, had a nice birthday lunch with my dad. Nice two W's with the Yankees, even though obviously they don't count. I don't care whether they win or lose in spring training. I look to see individual performances and seeing how people are doing right out of the gate to start before the games that do count roll in. That's mainly what I pay attention to. But you got the lunch, you got two dubs, you had Anthony Volpe having a good good game, Trevino hitting a grand slam, Clark Schmidt looking good. Feeling good today, guys. <laughs> Really good start to spring training. Good feelings all around. Good vibes, I guess. Tomorrow night, the Yankees on Monday are playing at 635 against the Tigers. And apparently they will be on TV. I should be home by that time from work. So I am going to watch tomorrow night's game. Severino's getting the start. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll be watching tomorrow night's game. It will be on TV. Uh, Tuesday's game, let me see. Yeah, it's not going to be televised. They're facing the Rays at 1. Wednesday, they're facing the Nationals at 1 at George M. Steinbrenner. It says it's going to be on Yes, so I'll... If it's on the Yes app, it should be at that point. I'll try to tune in probably while I'm at work. Thursday, they're facing the Pirates, not on television for us Yankee peeps. 
Friday, yeah, Thursday that game's at 1. Friday, another 6.35 game against the Tigers. And they're not really listing whether that's going to be on TV yet or not. Saturday, 105 game against the Rays. And next Sunday, another 105 game against the Braves. So that's what's happened so far. Two, uh, three games in two days, rather. And then that's what's going on for the rest of the week, just so you know. But spring training's here, guys. The offseason's over, and we can finally see what to expect and what we're going to see this spring from people trying to crack a roster spot, trying to make their name heard again, if they got something to prove, maybe. And the thing I'm mostly looking forward to, and this is really what the social media question is going to be, so a little bit of a spoiler alert right to start, I guess. But I have a number of things I'm looking forward to. I want to see Rodon pitch for the first time as a Yankee. I want to see how Peraza and Volpe do. I even want to see how Oswaldo Cabrera continues his thing. And it was a good thing seeing him get a two-run single yesterday. I love seeing him being successful. I want to see what role they find for him. I want to see how DJ LeMayhew looks. They say that he's at 100% health. That's what they've said about the lingering toe issues that he was experiencing for a chunk of the second half to end last season and into the playoffs. I want to see how he looks and what role he earns himself. I know I wanted to be the starting third baseman, but of course Donaldson is in the way as the Yankees' major infield logjam continues, even if there are certain people that I don't feel deserve to be there. But hey, we've spoken plenty about that, and I assume we'll hit on it more today, (laughs) especially if anyone mentions it in the social media replies, but we'll see. But I want to see the deal with DJ. I'm excited with how Glaber looks because Glaber, both today and yesterday when he hit a home run, looks to be starting off pretty good. I know it's just a couple of games and they don't even count. So shut up, Mike. I know. Blah, 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 blah. But listen, I like what I see so far. I want him to take control at second base. The Yankees brought him back, avoided arbitration. I want to see what happens now. I know he's been spoken about in a lot of trade discussions. A lot of people are pissed off that he wasn't dealt in the offseason. But now that he's back, you might as well root for him. You can't go wrong by rooting for him because, listen, he's either, he's either going to stick around here and do a great job and be a big help to the team and be a top hitter on the team again or amongst the top. Or, even if the Yankees do end up packaging him in a trade, then, hey, him doing well is only going to increase his value and increase return from whoever you're trading with. (laughs) So, listen, it can't hurt to just root for the guy and hope for the best at this point. If it goes disastrously, then hey, sure, I mean, we're all entitled to our opinions, but yours will hold water at that point. And and we'll see what happens with that. But one thing I really liked on that home run that he hit yesterday, we know that it's a good thing when Glaber Torres goes the other way. And it was an oppo taco yesterday. We know that it's a good sign when he does that, when he hits to all fields. When he tends to pull too much, that's when he that's when he seems to get into some trouble from a hitting standpoint. And if he could just really focus in and avoid those mental mistakes on the field as well, then you know, I'm gonna have nothing to say about Glaber Torres, you know? Nothing but good things, that is. But I'm looking forward to him. Because again, anything with the infield I'm curious with, not just individual people, but there's an overall logjam. People have to earn their place. I do have certain places that I feel, you know, that's what that's where they're going to be. Rizzo should be at first. I believe Glaber should be at second because now that he's back, that's just the position that best suits him. At shortstop, I truly believe that Peraza should be there. I truly do. And at third base, I think DJ should be there. Now, a lot of people don't really seem to care that DJ is going to be having more of, you know, a versatile role. 
Like, you know, he could back up Rizzo. He could back up at, at second as well. He could back up at third. I want him to be out there every day. And I want to see what he's got now that they're saying that he's at 100% again. I want to see DJ out there. Because when he's on, he is such a massive part of the team. I mean, from what he did in 1920, I mean, you can't deny the, this guy's importance. And even last year in points in time where he was healthy, you saw what he was doing again. It looked like the old DJ again. He's important. And I know Donaldson played some pretty good defense. And I, I know, I've heard it. But so can DJ. And he proved that he can even play a respectable third base. And I want to see him have the opportunity to try it again. And we know what he can bring with the bat. And we know how little confidence I have in Josh Donaldson. And that brings me to another point. I want to hit on this a little bit because I had a little bit of a problem with this on social media this past week. There seems to be a little bit of a shift going on amongst the Yankee fan base with Josh Donaldson. I'm not going to fault anybody for feeling this way. You're not going to hear me fault people for believing in players, especially if they're on the team that I root for. But the thing that I take issue with is when people come at me for not being confident in Josh Donaldson. Because people seem to think that in that same breath that I show my lack of confidence in his ability, particularly offensively, they think that I'm wishing for him to fail. I don't know how many times I have to say this either on social media or on here, but I guess I have to say it again. I don't root for anyone on my team that I root for to fail. That's dumb. (laughs) I'd rather be wrong and my team experience success because of somebody than me be right and my team hurt by it. But I am also allowed to express the fact that I simply don't believe in Josh Donaldson's ability to bounce back or believe that he has anything left in the tank or that he has anything left to prove. I mean, he certainly does, but can he? And I had people coming at me like, you know, I, I just don't understand why, you, why you're feeling this way. And half these people were probably saying exactly what I'm saying throughout the offseason. And when he was doing miserably last season. Now, I get it's a new season, and you want to turn over a new leaf and believe that, you know, he's here now, so that's what we've got, and all we could do is is hope that he does better. I can agree with that. Like, he's here, it's whatever. And until the Yankees decide to do whatever they want with him, like, let's say if they decide to ultimately DFA him or trade him at the deadline somehow, or if they decide to eat some of his money, whatever happens at whatever point during the season, or just happen to sit him more in favor of DJ or something, But I can understand that mentality. Like, he's here, so you might as well root for him and hope for the best. Well, I am hoping for the best. Obviously, I hope that he succeeds. I hope everybody succeeds. Because, obviously, that leads to the team success. Duh. So I don't want him to fail. But the issue that I have is don't come at me for not believing that he can do it. What evidence do I have that would support that he can? I mean, the way that these people spoke to me and came at me, you would think that they have some sort of reasoning or logic or evidence to like make me look like a fool for thinking that Donaldson doesn't have an offensive comeback in him. But go ahead and tell me, what reason do I have? 
If you could tell me and you could prove to me somehow or find a way to have me feel more confident about it, then by all means, be my guest. But guys, let's stop pretending that I'm ridiculous for not thinking that Josh Donaldson has an offensive comeback in him. And hey, if he does, then like anything else, since I've become a baseball fan about 15 years ago, I will be the first one to type on social media to get on this microphone for Yapping Yankees and gladly admit that I was wrong. At me, quote tweet me, attack me on Facebook, Instagram, in my YouTube comments. Do whatever you gotta do. I don't care. I'm glad to admit when I'm wrong. But let's stop pretending like it's ridiculous that I feel this way about Josh Donaldson after having a whole season's worth of evidence last year to feel this way. I mean, come on. That crap I don't appreciate. And listen, I get that everywhere in life you're going to have people disagreeing with you and not everybody's going to like you. I accepted that a long time ago, and sometimes I still struggle with that, admittedly. I think everybody does to a certain degree. But, so I'm okay with the disagreements. But that doesn't mean I can't speak out back against it. Because I'm not going to listen to the fact that people are thinking that it's, it doesn't make any sense that I don't believe in Josh Donaldson's ability to bounce back. Because let's not pretend, again, like I don't have an entire season's worth of evidence to feel this way. I don't like what I saw last year. I don't like when I see an aging veteran being blown away with low 90s down the middle. I don't like when I see an aging veteran seem to not even understand the difference off the bat between a routine fly ball and a 450-foot home run. And I especially don't like seeing an aging veteran who still has a loud mouth because, again, admittedly in the old days, like in 2015 when he was the MVP, he was a great player. But he still has that mouth on him as if he still has that ability amidst having a brutal season. It's not fun or appealing to watch. It just makes him appear as a clown. It's almost like embarrassing to watch. The only positive attribute I'll give him again is, yes, he he played some pretty decent defense, but let's not pretend right now. (laughs) Let's not pretend. That when Cashman made that trade, and and you know I've said it plenty of times, that I did not like that Minnesota trade very much from day one. But let's not pretend right now that the reason the Yankees got Josh Donaldson here was only because of defense. Because if you think that, or you've tried to convince yourself of that, or that Donaldson's defense is the only thing that matters, then you're lying to yourself. Because just the year prior to that, in 2021, with Minnesota, he actually had a respectable season. And most of the seasons before that, whenever he wasn't hurt, were respectable. Especially his MVP days. He was really good. We've gotten Josh Donaldson in those days, I would have been doing backflips. But that's not the Josh that we got. We got a Josh that had a 2022 season that was incomprehensibly bad compared to literally any other season throughout his entire career. And the Yankees were majorly expecting a lot of offensive contribution out of him, and they didn't get it. They didn't. And I know that all that has to happen is maybe just a little bit of improvement here and there with offense for him to have a half-decent year this year, and maybe it could happen. And again, I would be glad to admit in that event that I am wrong. 
but please stop coming at me and others who feel the same way as me. And there are plenty because we all have a right to feel this way based off of, again, a season's worth of evidence of this. Do not come at us and make it appear as ridiculous that we are feeling this way. And that we feel like someone like DJ, although yes, last couple of years he's had some health problems, but when he's good, when he's good to go and fully healthy, let's not pretend like we're ridiculous for thinking that someone like DJ could be a better option. Because that, that crap just bothers me. You can't say that that's ridiculous. You can't. What evidence do you have to support that? So, there's just been this weird shift since, again, I I put out a tweet, I think it was a few days ago, I don't even remember specifically which day, but it was a Josh Donaldson tweet, because someone tweeted about him, and I believe I might have quote tweeted it, I don't even remember, but people came at me, they were like, a couple of people were like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of stupid to put out this sort of mindset, you know, not even a spring training game is played yet, we'll see what he has, and yeah, you're not incorrect, Like, yeah, it is a new season, could turn over a new leaf, maybe it could bounce back, and again, I'll be glad to admit that I'm wrong in the event that happens, but it's not based off of nothing. I simply don't believe the guy has it in him, based off things I saw last year, really discouraging signs of rapid decline. So that's all I ask. You can be positive all you want, but number one... Don't act as if what I'm saying, whether or not a game, a single game has been played, don't act as if what I'm saying doesn't have evidence to support it or that it's completely outrageous or something like that. And two, you got to learn the difference between positivity and toxic positivity. Because as much as I hate that word toxic, toxic positivity does exist. And those of you who try to look at things with as level ahead and objectively as possible like I do, You've seen it many times. I imagine you have. I've had a lot of nightmare horror stories having debates with fans who have a great deal of toxic positivity. And it's almost as frustrating as dealing with someone who is just insufferably negative no matter what. Because I don't align with them either. But... It's in that gray area in the middle you have to lay in. But that's, I had to acknowledge that because obviously Josh Donaldson has been a massive point of discussion for months now, ever since he had a massive letdown of a 2022. And now obviously he's getting another shot at things, at least for now, to start, it would seem. And there's just that thing that happened on Twitter and amongst a lot of other people who, who feel the same way that I do about it. And I just felt the need to bring that up because it's just a weird shift on Twitter recently. I don't know what it's about. And I know for a fact that some people who said that were speaking the exact same way as I still am as recently as like a month ago on the subject of Josh Donaldson. But maybe they're turning over a new leaf now because a new season starting, spring training's here. They're like, oh, maybe we'll turn it around and since he's here, might as well root for him. And listen, I, I can respect that. The only thing I ask is to not make it appear like what I'm saying is ridiculous or has no evidence to support it. Because that's not true. <laughs> I and... Everybody else who feels the same way as me about Josh have the right to feel the way that we do about it. Not just because of the general fact that everybody's entitled to their opinion, but there is legitimate evidence to support feeling this way based off of legit factors that we saw, that we witnessed last year. And that we just happen to think will continue or possibly even, God forbid, worsen in 2023. 
And if that is to happen, we can only hope that the Yankees wise up soon enough to make a necessary change. But, and Josh did have a hit today, I'll give him that, in the game that he played today. I don't even remember which game he played in. I think it was maybe the Blue Jays game. Let me double check that. Um, yeah, it was the Blue Jays game. He batted second after, after Volpe, and he did have a hit. He went one for two. He had a walk, and he also struck out, left one on base, and he scored a run. So, decent game, I guess, for a couple of at-bats, and he had a walk. Um, but listen, I, uh, I have to see it really take form in the next few weeks, and obviously the main important thing is continuing to the season. Because also, if you have a good spring, yeah, it's a good thing to see, but then if you perform like a dud in the regular season, spring training doesn't mean crap. The season's what counts. So, overall, whether it be a positive or a negative standpoint, as I've made more than clear by now in this long intro tirade I've gone on, just overall... The excitement for baseball being back is just overwhelming. And another thing being back, I should mention right now, since the offseason is officially over and baseball is back for our viewing pleasure, Yapping Yankees is also back to its weekly schedule as of today, folks. Obviously, unless it's in the event that it's a holiday, like I usually take off for Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter, any other Sunday holiday. But other than that, that's been usual for the last year or so. But other than that... We are back every week, you and me, on Yapping Yankees, talking about the team that we love to know, and every single week, guys. So I'm excited for that as well. It was a much-needed bi-weekly schedule for me over the offseason. It was really good, especially as my job, my regular job, also just continues to get busier by the day. So that, that might also be tougher now that we're back weekly, but hey, listen. Baseball is back. You got to be weekly if you're to be taken seriously. Or, you know, I also just love doing this. I want to find time to do Yapping Yankees. I do. It's even 8 o'clock at night right now as I'm recording at this very moment. It's 8.02. And it's Sunday night. I'd like to be relaxing and getting ready for my work week if we're being honest. But I also want to talk Yankees with you. And we've been off since two weeks ago, February the 12th. So here we are. We're talking, and I'm having a great time doing it. I'm having a great time seeing the Yankees back on my TV or on the Yes app or wherever the hell they are on a given day. And baseball's back. I just can't believe it. <laughs> Again, I had a number of things to keep me well-occupied this offseason, almost like no other offseason. So it did go a little faster than the typical offseason does for me. And plus, <laughs> I do have to mention this as well, and this is definitely a... A big thing for people outside of the New York area to hear, for those of you who do not live anywhere near me in the New York area. But, New York has also experienced such weather of late that sometimes it can make you forget that we're supposed to be in the dead of winter right now. (laughs) Because in the last two or three weeks, we've probably had about three days where it touched 60 degrees, or maybe even went a little bit higher than that by a degree or two. 60 degrees! That happening once in February is a big deal. It happened multiple times. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. And those who live in the New York area can confirm that for me, because it is the truth. And those days, I even wore short sleeves some days, and that just, that puts you even more in the mood for baseball, especially when spring training is only like a freaking week away. You're like, oh yeah, it's baseball season, baby. (laughs) Like You're just feeling it flowing through your veins at that point. But... That was really nice. The fact that I'm starting to see the sun start to stay out a little later now. It's creeping up to 6 o'clock. 
And in about two weeks, the clock should be going ahead. I think it's two weeks from today or from last night, you know, early Sunday morning at like, what was it, 2 a.m.? So we're two weeks away from that, from the clocks going ahead an hour again. That's ending real soon here in New York, the the switching of the clocks. Thank God that's ending. Oh, I hate it so much. <laughs> I th- I find it hard to find much of anybody who likes that. But that's coming around soon, so the sun will be up even later after that. So it's just, it's turning around, guys. I was even talking to my family about it, like my mom and her boyfriend, and they're both listening at some point to this right now, so they know that this is true. But I even spoke to them about this, and I speak to most people about this. This is the time of year, like late February, early March. I mean, of course, unless we have like a harsh winter any given year, then it's harder to feel this way. But especially with a year like this, where the weather's been better lately, and baseball has started up, and there's just a lot of good things going on. Like, there are just fewer times throughout the entire calendar year where I'm in, like, a better place mentally. Like, right now, I'm in a good place. Like, yeah, even though the job kicks my ass sometimes, that happens, you know, it's part of life, but (laughs) that happens, and there's the regular complications of everyday life, you know, your regular day-to-day. But other than that, the weather's nice, yeah, we're still getting our cold days here and there, but... I can't act like I'm not grateful for the warm days that we've gotten in the great amounts in February so far. And it's been a real mild winter snow-wise, too. I'm going to go ahead and knock on my wooden desk right now because I said that. But I can't act like I'm not grateful for that. Baseball's back. Just had a nice day today. Out with my dad and my family for his birthday. Feeling good right now. Just like usually around this time of the year, like heading into March, the sun's staying out later. The weather should be starting to change for the better, even though it's already been better lately. But, I mean, on a day-to-day basis at that point, it's right up ahead. It's starting to turn around. Spring training's here. You're in that mentality if you're me. If this is also the great time of the year for you with baseball coming back, the weather should start getting nicer before long. Got a lot of good things going on. Like It's just a good time. It really is. So I'm just really, really amped. And even the World Baseball Classic is starting really soon. Almost forgot to mention that as well. (laughs) So it's February 26th right now. The first WBC game I'm pretty sure is on March 8th we spoke two weeks ago about. So that's in like a week and a half. So again, just another thing to add to things. And speaking of the World Baseball Classic, I guess this is a good way to transition into Yankees news because this is the first thing I wanted to talk about with just a couple of things that happened in Yankees news in the last couple of weeks since we last spoke on February 12th. But speaking of the WBC, and it really stinks that this happened the day after I spoke to you because I was just talking about how cool it was and how excited I was to see this happen. But literally the day after... We spoke. So it was February 13th, Monday. Monday late morning, I would say, or early afternoon maybe, this news dropped. It was announced that the Yankees were pulling Nestor Cortez from Team USA because he apparently had a tweaked hamstring. And I had just gotten done. (laughs) I had just gotten done talking about my excitement over seeing Nestor in the WBC and how cool it would be to see him pitch for Team USA. And then the very next day, <laughs> and I've had to wait two weeks since this news, about two weeks, to get back behind this microphone with this update, they announced that he has a tweaked hamstring and the Yankees are pulling him. Now, me personally, 
And this is being even more reinforced with the Yankees' recent updates about how good he looks in warming up for spring training. I don't think he has a tweak to anything. And if he does, then it is dangerously minor because, I mean, he was throwing almost immediately and they're going on about how good of a place he seems to be in now. I just think Cashman, or maybe just the entire Yankees front office or the organization at large, I just don't think that they want to nest their pitching in that and risking injury or maybe having that contributing to a possible innings limit that he may or may not have for this season as well. And they would just rather not have those innings on his arm when that doesn't the WBC doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the Yankees' goals to win a title. So, I'm thinking that Cashman and them just didn't want him participating in it, and they just said he has a tweaked hamstring. I could be wrong. I'm not within the Yankees' organization. I don't pretend to be, and I don't pretend like I'm always right. Just a gut feeling that I've got, and ever since this was announced, you've just only heard mainly positive things about Nestor, and maybe it could be such a minor thing that it really didn't end up being anything. I just don't think there's really much of anything at all. <laughs> That's just me. I just, I just think they wanted to pull him. But Higashioka should still be there for Team USA. Pretty sure Glaber and Luizaga are both still playing for Venezuela and Nicaragua, uh, respectively. So, that's still going on. But Nestor was pulled. And if there is, in fact, anything even just minor with the hamstring, and it might push him off to a certain degree with anything, with spring training appearances or maybe even to start the season we'll see I don't think there will be but we'll see going forward I guess but regardless of what happens going forward with the supposed hamstring tweaking Nestor will not be participating in the WBC with Team USA as of about two weeks ago they announced that and then a couple of days later about a week and a half ago and you can imagine I wasn't really quiet about this on social media because of the opinions that I already had prior to this news. But we all knew already from the last time we spoke that Frankie Montas was experiencing shoulder problems. And we know that we, we were told that he was experiencing these for some time. And we know that he missed a lot of time even after being traded here at last year's deadline. He missed some time with this shoulder problem. And he did have shoulder problems here and there when he was first brought here. And evidently, unless this just got progressively worse, but even that's hard for me to believe after having months off in the offseason, someone must have just not done their homework with this trade. You want to blame Cashman, you want to blame somebody else in the front office that might have recommended that they do this, or you know, if they felt pressured to make the move, which they really shouldn't do that. They should just go based off of what they truly think is best. And if this is what they truly thought was best, then hey, I guess they deserve the blame because somebody, in my opinion, just didn't do their homework. Because it appears that the issues are even worse than we thought. And it was announced that as of a few days ago, he got shoulder surgery. And it's going to be pretty fortunate for him if he's even back in the second half of 2023. There's a chance that he might miss the entire year. And even if he does come back, let's say he comes back at some point after the All-Star break, maybe like late July, early August, and he can at least contribute for the last couple of months, maybe in the playoffs. But even if he does, think about how much time he'll have missed dating back to the end of the year when he already wasn't contributing because he was having injury issues, particularly with the shoulder. I mean, the ramp-up process is going to be really long for him, especially if they plan on using him as a starter and not as a reliever for the rest of the way out, depending on how much time he misses. Like, if he doesn't come back until September, 
I'm pretty sure they're probably just going to want him for possibly long relief at that point. They're probably not going to put him back into the rotation. Especially if someone like Clark or Herman, or maybe even a little bit of both if they both split some time starting. I don't know how they're going to do things. Nobody really knows as of now. But I doubt that they're going to put him back in that fifth spot. They might just want to use him in a bullpen role. But especially if they plan on using him for the starting role again, that ramp-up process is going to be long. And think of, again, dating back to the end of last year, how much time he has missed. And how much time he probably didn't even have to like really practice or warm up with all the months off. And apparently, he's been experiencing these shoulder issues for all that time. So, listen, the moral of the story is that this guy is smoked. I mean, just totally cooked. And, I mean, I never like to say this too soon because it's a big statement to say, and a lot of people throw it around very loosely, but I try not to. But, I mean, this is this is really starting to look like a bust now, guys. I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, listen, nobody's a fortune teller. Maybe some people are, but nobody that I know. And nobody in that Yankee organization is. I mean, it's pretty evident because they've made their fair share of bad moves the last few years, and this is turning out to be one of them, man. Especially if the prospects we gave away end up being really, really something. I mean, especially guys like J.P. Sears. If those guys end up being really something, then this is going to hurt. But, because that's part of it too, when you decipher whether a trade was successful or whether it was brutal. But, at least on the Yankees' side, on the Yankees' behalf, this is really rough. Because he was experiencing these shoulder issues that they were skeptical about upon trading him here, or bringing him here, and... And then he missed a chunk of the second half with those issues. And then when he wasn't having those issues, whether the issues were the reason for this or not, most of his starts were brutal. And I'm not even talking just they were just bad or just a bit non-competitive. A lot of his starts were just awful. Giving up a ton of runs, just showing no promise or fight really. No sign of bouncing back mid-start like some starters have the ability of doing. It was just bad. And now he's missing time until at least the second half of the year. Even if he does come back this year, they pretty much made it as clear as they possibly could that he is not coming back until at least maybe like like late July, I'd say, post-All-Star break, August, something like that. But they also did even mention the possibility that depending on his healing, his recovery, the ramping up even, like I said, it's going to be a lot, especially if they incorporate him as a starter again, depending on when he's ready. He could even miss the entire year. And especially if he misses the whole year, this is looking like a tough trade, guys. Tough, tough, tough. I I don't know what to say anymore. I'm just very disappointed in this. And I'll be the first to say that I was one of the first ones online to say that the Yankees urgently need to make a move for a starter. And I was happy when Montas came here. I was willing to take the risk with the shoulder stuff they were saying. I was happy when they brought him here. But I am not happy with the results so far. And there were a lot of people who felt this way. So I don't want to see people dodging this and not admitting that they were wrong about this. But so far, I and many others have been wrong. (laughs) See? I can say that I'm wrong. How much have I been right about? A lot. But have I had my stuff that I'm wrong about? Of course I have. We all have. Even if certain other people completely consumed by their ego 
never would admit it. They have been wrong plenty too. We all have been. And Montas, I was, I was wrong. I wasn't wrong for acknowledging that the Yankees desperately needed to make a move for the starting rotation. They definitely could have afforded to add another starter at the time. But I ended up being wrong in my wanting to push for Montas. I mean, from that very first start he had in St. Louis, it just it hasn't worked. And now he's missed even more time than he already has. Not good. You can't tell the future for everything, and you're going to have to take your L's with some moves you make if you're in the front office, you're the GM, whatever it may be. But like I said, we've had plenty of reason the last couple of years with plenty of things to be frustrated with Cashman, and this is another, I guess. If you want to just point the finger to him, I just fault the Yankees overall. Cashman and everybody else had a place in this trade for not properly doing their homework, I guess, because they did mention the possible concern with this. But not not only did he do bad, but after months of inaction in the offseason, and in mid-February now, right before spring training, you're giving him potentially season-ending shoulder surgery. It's, just, it's not a good look. And it's also not the first time where the Yankees seem to be on the fence about a certain injury that a player might have throughout the offseason, and then it's decided towards the very end when, I mean, yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda, but months prior, they could have done the surgery and had them return sooner, but now they're doing it right before spring training, and therefore having them be out for longer, and possibly, like in this case, the entire season. And it's annoying when that happens, and like I said, this is not the first time that it has happened. So, to say that I'm disappointed in what has happened with Frankie Montas so far is probably the understatement of the entire century. Because I am... There's no word in the English language, just forget about it. I am beyond disappointed in this. So, we'll see how long he's out for. But, in the end, I don't think this will completely deflate the Yankees. The Yankees' rotation still had plenty of its good days, with or without Montas, last year. In the second half. And he is your five guy. He might have been a top guy in Oakland, but so is another some certain somebody that we got from Oakland some years ago, and came here and turned out to be a disaster. I don't even have to say his name. Most of you know who I'm talking about. His initials being SG. But, Frankie Montas is... <laughs> he's kind of just serving as another ultimate example that the Yankees maybe just shouldn't deal starters with Oakland anymore. <laughs> It's getting hard to argue back at that claim now. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe in some sort of unbelievable scenario, you could have Monta still come back way later in the season and make a big impact and lead the Yankees to the promised land. Who knows? Then in that case, I guess I'll say my original happiness for him was right, and I was wrong this time. <laughs> I don't know. But regardless, you can't argue the fact of how disappointing it's been so far with him. You can't. It's just... It's not debatable. It's very disappointing. But again, it's not going to completely deflate my hopes for the Yankees or the starting rotation or anything. I I think the Yankees did a fantastic thing by bringing Rodon in, and I think that's an infinitely more important piece than Montas. At the end of the day, Montas is just a number five piece. And not a good one at that when he was brought over here. So if the Yankees could get Clark Schmidt or Domingo Herman, maybe a mix of the two of them, to really contribute at the bottom of that rotation. Severino stays healthy. 
you're looking at a <laughs> a banger of a rotation. I mean, you're looking at Cole, Rodon, Nestor, Severino, or maybe Severino at three and and Nestor at four to break up the two lefty starters. And then if there's an effective Schmidt or Herman at five, got yourself a hell of a rotation there. So I'm not going to let what happened to Montas sink my hopes in the team at all. I have other reasons to not like certain aspects on the team, but Montas is not one of them. Am I vastly disappointed in what's happened with him? Of course I am, but I'm not going to let it sink my hopes about the team in any way. It's not doing that for me. But otherwise, that's really mainly what's happened in the last two weeks, guys, other than what I've told you in the last two days in the three games with the Yankees' first three spring training games so far. But there is one more thing I want to talk about because it was a massive topic on last week's show before we get to our social media segment for today and wrap things up amidst the excitement of baseball being back, but a part of it being back is <laughs> we have seen something already that I, um, <laughs> thankfully it's in games that don't count, so in the end of the day, no one really cares. I don't even really care. But um, there's a lot of attention around the pitch clock already. <laughs> and it's funny because an exact same scenario. And if you don't believe me, go back and listen to the episode from two weeks ago, the last Yapping Yankees episode, where I threw this scenario out. Granted, the scenario was in a much bigger situation, like in the playoffs or something. But the same scenario within a baseball game, it basically happened in, or similar. In this, it ended in a tie, because spring training games can end in a tie, as most of us know. But my scenario is like, what happens if it's in the playoffs and, and then it gives a team a win? But a similar thing happened already in the first couple of days of spring training. So I got to give myself a pat on the back there. There's an instance where I was right already, even if it doesn't count for anything. But there was already an instance. <laughs> the first one, there were two instances, but the first one, not so big. Just because of the name that was behind it really was what made it bigger. But there was already a violation. The first one being Manny Machado. Manny Machado had a, uh, he got penalized for taking too long in the batter's box. Apparently, part of the rule now is that the batter has to be in the batter's box looking out to the pitcher by the time there are eight seconds remaining on the clock. That's pretty quick if you only have 15 seconds with the bases empty. But I mean, I guess it's reasonable if you have 20 seconds if there are people on base. 20 seconds is reasonable. But I mean, listen, like I said, it's going to have to be an adjustment. And they will adjust eventually, but it might, it might be rough for a while. Like I suggested the dangers of two weeks ago when we last spoke. But on top of Manny being penalized for it, the main <laughs> the main one that people were talking about was yesterday in the Red Sox and Braves game where it was tied at six in the bottom of the ninth and the Braves had the bases loaded. Like I'm it was eerily familiar, like I said, with the scenario that I gave out two weeks ago when they announced the official pitch clock rules. And I was talking to you about them two weeks ago. But I believe the count was three and two. Even there, even if there weren't three balls, there were definitely two strikes, especially because of how it ended. But there was a batter violation at the end of the game, six to six, bases loaded, two outs. And because of that, like we spoke about two weeks ago, a pitcher violation results in an automatic ball and a batter violation results in an automatic strike. Well, the latter happened this time. Because the batter was not facing the pitcher with eight seconds left. The umpire called an automatic strike, and that ended the game. On a pitch clock call, ended a game. 
Now, again, not a big deal. Spring training game doesn't count. Nobody gives a crap. But <laughs> a scenario eerily similar to the one that I painted two weeks ago that could happen at some point and infuriate a lot of people, and it has infuriated people already, even, a ga- even in a game that doesn't count. It already happened <laughs> yesterday on the first full day of spring training. And they had the clock like in the background on, off to the side or maybe even off to the side on the television screen while the game is going on between every pitch. And other than that, nothing else has really been spoken about about it. But especially when that happened, with the bases loaded, there were a lot of people very vocal about it. And listen, there is always the risk of that happening. I think eventually people will adjust to it. It might take some time for certain people. And I don't blame them for taking some time because, you know, the game's been a certain way that it has for a long time, never having much of anything to do with any sort of clock or time limit. And now all of a sudden it does. You're going to have to get used to it. But... I said I'm not in support of it because I don't like baseball being on any sort of time limit. And I don't, I don't really think at all that shaving 15, 20 minutes off a game is going to make a damn bit of difference for people who don't like the sport. This new unfound audience that they're planning on finding, it's a bunch of crap. I'll keep on reiterating that until the cows come home. But, listen, I do agree, and I, and I did say this amidst saying that I didn't like this new rule, um, when we spoke two weeks ago. But I also did admit that of all the rule changes that they've enforced the last few years, that if there is one that's actually going to affect how long a game is, this is going to be the one. This will actually have an effect on the game. It will shorten it. Because I've always said, if you want to... Not that I wanted it, I was just saying in the scenario of if you want to shorten a game then just look how long it takes between pitches. Putting a clock there and limiting how long someone has to play games with a batter or a runner on base from a pitcher's perspective or what have you, play with the rosin bag, get ready, looking for the signs, what have you, and how long a batter might take to undo and redo their batting gloves and you know twitch and look around, stretch, get all settled in the box. Some batters like Brett Gardner, for instance, would foul a ball off and then literally take an entire trip around the plate behind the umpire and all. Like, if you took some time away to do that, then yeah, that would shorten the game. Because that, when you when that happens so many times throughout a multi-hour time window, you pile that up, and that's a lot of added time that you could shave off. So, I did admit right away that, as I suggested a while back, that this rule will actually be the main one to actually make a difference in the timing of the game. But do I like it? And do I like putting baseball in any sort of a time limit? And do I think shaving 15 to 20 minutes off a game, maybe, maybe even 25 minutes, will have a new audience tune in and make this sport vastly successful, even more successful than it already is, and all of a sudden change people's opinions on it? No, I don't think it's going to do any of that. And I think that people who think that it will are full of crap. It's mainly the league trying to convince themselves of that, but I think they're full of crap. So I feel the way that I do about it. Do I think it'll actually make a change? Yeah, it will. And do I think that people are going to get pretty upset about it depending on the scenario? Yeah, I think they will, and I already said that. I said that two weeks ago as well. And you already saw a little bit of that yesterday when it happened at the end of that Red Sox-Braves game. So listen, I don't want to say that I've already been pretty right about that, even right at the beginning with it, but I also am saying it, I guess. So there's that. But anyways, I just thought I'd bring that up because 
Interesting little thing that we have already seen right at the beginning of spring training, so might as well touch on it at least. But, like I said, that, along with anything else having to do with the Yankees or baseball overall, just does not take away my overall excitement and hype for the fact that baseball is back. Whether it counts or not, don't care. I'm watching baseball on my TV or whatever device it's available on in spring training, and that's all I care about. And I'm going to be able to watch more of it this week, and next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, and the month after that, and the months after that. That's what I care about. So, without further ado, why don't we get to our social media segment? Because a large part of the tirade that I went on in my intro had to do with the main subject of the social media segment. And what real other question is there to ask amidst the start of spring training than a question about spring training? So quite simply put, my social media question open-ended again this week was what are you most looking forward to seeing in this spring training? There are a lot of stories with the Yankees this spring. I ran down a bunch of them. What's going on with the infield, even with left field. And you want to see how some relievers are, maybe. You got guys like Michael King, Ron Marinaccio back after they missed a chunk of the year last year with injuries. And when they weren't injured, they were phenomenal. But there were a couple of arms that the Yankees were missing, crucial arms at the end of their journey in 2022. They're coming back. You drop dead weight out there like Chapman. You don't have to worry about Britain anymore. Guys like this, the bullpen is looking electric. It brought Tommy Canely back, the king of electricity, who, again, I'm very excited to see. So you got the bullpen to see how they've reshaped or how you have certain guys coming back. You have Rodon to see in the rotation. You have to see what happens in the infield. You have the kids. Just a lot of things to look forward to. So what are you most looking forward to? I basically ran down my list before. I want to see how Volpe and Peraza do. And I want to see Peraza earn that shortstop job, even though I think he should already be there. I don't want to see IKF there on a daily basis at all. I want to see how DJ does coming back from those foot issues. I want to see him earn a spot nearly every single day in that infield regardless. I want his bat in the lineup. That's my main point. I know if he's either at second mainly or even at third or first, you're going to get respectable defense out of him. That's not what I'm worried about. I want his bat in the lineup. Make it happen whatever way you have to. So I want to see how he bounces back after dealing with those lingering toe issues at the end of 2022. So the kids, DJ, I want to see what happens to the overall infield logjam. If there's even slightly more of a clearer picture on how to do things by the end of spring training. I want to see who earns that title of left fielder. Even if they have to sort of platoon guys out there. There was even the possibility of Aaron Judge being asked to play some left field or center field again. And I think he could do anything. Because I think Judge is that good. Even if he has very, very little experience out in left field, especially in the majors. But it's mainly center field and right field for him. I also want to see Stanton. Because one thing that I actually haven't spoken about amidst all the left field talk. Because I don't even really think about it because of the Yankees' simple reluctance to do this. Even if I don't agree with the reluctance. But... A lot of people are talking about how much easier it would be if Stanton could just play the outfield. And, well, I've already said it many times in the past. I really want Stanton in the outfield on a somewhat regular basis, bare minimum. It would be so much easier for the Yankees to decide their outfield dilemma. And it would be better for him personally, too, because we have evidence that there is how much better 
He just is overall when he's in the outfield from what we've seen. How much easier it would just be all around if Stanton could be in the outfield on a regular basis? But the Yankees have always been just really hesitant to do it for a long time now because of the injuries. And they feel like putting him out there gives him all that much more of a risk to get hurt. My perspective on the matter has always been, well, he's already gotten hurt plenty of times as DH, so what the hell do you have to lose? And I still stand by that. I've always stood by that. So I didn't even really see a big need to really voice that this time around. But hey, listen, Stanton being in the outfield on a regular basis, you have my support. And that would certainly make things a lot easier, whether you have to even put him in right field at times. Do whatever you got to do. So, there's been a lot of discussion of even Judge occasionally playing different positions. Again, he played a lot of center field last year, and he was phenomenal in both center and right. And, uh, yeah, Stanton talk. I'd love to see Stanton again. Obviously, I love the guy. Big Stanton fan. And obviously a massive Judge fan. Just by nature want to see them at any point. So, I guess they're who I'm looking forward to as well. I just want to see how, how a lot of the question marks on the team work out. I want to see who tries hard for that left field job. I want to see how the infield log jam works out. I want to see Peraza get the shortstop job. I want to see the bullpen. There's a lot that I want to see. And moreover, everything, I just want to see my boys play baseball again after months of nothingness. That's the main thing. What are you looking forward to? Let's get to some replies. What's on your minds? What are you most looking forward to this year in spring training? First up is at NYYSportsFan96 saying to see if Peraza gets the shortstop job from IKF. Yeah, definitely a want of mine, and I think he should have it already, but hey, you know, they have a competition going on at short, then uh, he'll have to earn it, and I look forward to him hopefully getting it because I'd rather see an up-and-coming kid who has a lot of potential to be a potential Yankee middle infielder for years to come alongside his boy Volpe there, I want to see him win that job. I don't want to see the guy who is classified as a placeholder still get the job over somebody who, I mean, he was... IKF had the job in waiting for guys like Peraza and Volpe, but if Peraza's ready to go, I want to see Peraza get the damn job. That goes without saying. So I agree there, man. Up next is at Laura underscore Icemont. My friend Laura says, I'm looking forward to seeing how the younger faces like Volpe, Dominguez, etc. do. I'm also interested in seeing who will emerge as our fifth starter with Montes ruled out for a while. Absolutely. Like I said, I want to see the rotation, particularly Rodon. But yeah, I mean, today was a good first look at Clark Schmidt. Promising first time out for him. We'll see how Herman looks when he gets his first look. I'm also looking forward to seeing Severino again tomorrow because, I mean, he finished things off phenomenally when he came back last year. So that was really good to see. Um, But yeah, the kids, I mean, that's a big thing for me as well. I mentioned that as one of the first things because that is towards the top of the list for me, if not at the top of the list, for what I'm looking forward to. And yeah, even Dominguez again. I mentioned it briefly at the beginning of the show. Did you see that damn home run? (laughs) I mean, yeah, the, the only option to watch the first game was on the Phillies broadcast, and uh, and the excitement of the Phillies broadcaster, I, I mean, you, you would have thought that he was in a morgue with how thrilled he sounded that Dominguez hit that tank job. But um, that doesn't take away from the fact that I still don't even know where that ball is right now. 
And again, people say that the right side is his weaker side at the plate. That's scary to think about if he hit a ball like that from the right side. I mean, what he could do with the left side. That's scary to think about. So, I mean, if he has that sort of ability and he can put on a show like that for most of or the entire spring and he's effective in the field, I mean, I don't think he'll like be in the major leagues very soon. I really don't think that. But he can make a nice case for himself and get some eyeballs on him. And he already did with that shot yesterday because, boy, my God, was it a shot. But yeah, Laura, good points. Young faces and uh, the fifth starter. Next, we have at snob underscore of saying Clark Schmidt. Well, yeah, like I said, it would be awesome if uh, he could emerge and secure his spot as a fifth starter. If he can emerge as the fifth starter. I would uh, I would like that. Because I have my own personal grievances against Herman, even though, yes, again, I try to separate the player from the person. But... I mean, I think we would all rather Clark Schmidt, especially if he earns it. Like, if he if he gives the Yankees reason to make him that fifth starter, I think we'd all be more than fine having Clark Schmidt be the fifth starter. I mean, it's more than time for him to solidify himself as a solid, solid arm in this rotation. Even if he is just the fifth starter, but still. I mean, it doesn't mean he's bad. It's just that the people above him are that good. I mean, he's got Cole, Rodon, Nestor, and Severino ahead of him. That's hard to surpass. But, I mean, for how many years while he was in the minors did we hear that Clark Schmidt could compete for a top-of-the-rotation spot even someday? So, I think it's about that time that we all want to see Schmidt secure that spot. And today was a good first step in doing so. Good first step. Two perfect innings, five strikeouts, looked really dominant. Good first step. So I definitely hear that, man. Next up is at Tommy V. Art saying, what happens with Hicks and Josh Donaldson? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Pretty much. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. I think Hicks got a hit today, too. Let me double check that. I think he was batting third in the Braves game. Yeah, damn, my memory's good today. Uh, yeah, he went one for three, struck out once, left two on base. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. He played in left field today. Um, so, but yeah, they're a big thing because obviously they were the hottest topics of discussion when talking about potential trades throughout the entire offseason after the disgraceful season they both had in 2022. So you want to talk about people with something to prove. And also people who I legit have no faith in than those two. So yeah, my dev- my curiosity definitely lies with them as well. And Josh Donaldson being a part of the infield logjam that I mentioned I have so much interest in. He plays a part in that. At Baseball Tzar says, just to get through healthy, like every year. I also want the young guys to show some growth. Maybe have a sleeper stand out. Well yeah, that's first and foremost. That goes without saying. You want everybody to get through it healthy, especially considering it doesn't count. It's just a good way to get warmed up. Maybe even get some eyeballs on you if you have something to prove or you have a spot you're fighting for, maybe. But first and foremost, yes, without even without saying, stay healthy. Particularly because it doesn't, you know, the games in the at the end of the day ultimately don't count. So stay healthy. And uh, the young ones, yep. Same thing that a lot of us have said. And even a sleeper candidate, yeah. You always like to see that in spring training. That always makes things extra exciting when you have to 
consider somebody else possibly cracking a roster spot over somebody else that you maybe thought was a lock, but now somebody else made their name known, and they've made their case, and actually make things turn out differently than you ever could have expected. That has happened in plenty of spring trainings. We know that. So yeah, maybe that could happen, and that certainly makes things exciting. At Rachel Chan 222 says, I'm looking forward to watching Oswaldo Cabrera play every position. <laughs> oh yeah, listen, he has that capability. He can play short, second, third likely, and also get time in left field as he also did in uh, in Saturday's game, yesterday's game. He, play, he played in left field to start the game against the Phillies. So... Yeah, he can uh, he can play in a lot of places. He even played in right field at times. So he played the corner outfield spots. And he even had some time where he, you know, had a little bit of some looks at first base. So to say he's gotten versatile is an understatement. And uh, and he's just such a great kid. I said it before. I love him so much. Even if I would well, sensibly rather him in an infield position because that's his primary spot. But I just, I love the kid. I'll tolerate him playing anywhere at the end of the day, even if I would rather an outfielder be playing an outfield position first. But I just, I would have trouble battling back against anything having to do with him because he's just such a good kid. You see him, every time you see him out there, he's smiling, having a great time. You literally, you feel the energy of someone that's just living out their dream. Like, you always hear these guys saying, and I'm sure they mean it, but, you know, I'm living out my dream. It's always been my dream to do this, but you see it in his face and his actions more than just his words. More so than most other people when it comes to Oswaldo. It, like, brightens up your day. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I sound silly by over-exaggerating it, but if you see him as much as I do or as much as a casual diehard Yankee fan does, casual, diehard, it's like an oxymoron. But (laughs) if you see him as much as the regular Yankee fan watching does, you know what I'm talking about. He's just like a ray of sunshine. I don't know. He's just, he's very fun to watch. And uh, the fact that he's gotten only more versatile makes things even more exciting. But I just love the kid so much. Listen, if he ends up winning the left field job, fine. I'm happy with it. If it turns out to be a disaster, then yeah, you're going to have to make a switch. But I'm certainly not going to be irritated or aggravated when it comes to anything having to do with him, because I, I just, I, I love the kid. He's a class act. He's down to earth. His name should, might as well be Smiles. Might as well be. He's always smiling. Always having a good time, giving it his all, and doing a good job at it. It's not just a matter of, you know, charisma. He's, he's a good player. <laughs> he's a talented kid. And seeing guys like him, Peraza, and Volpe coming up... It's an exciting sight. And Dominguez, too. It's really thrilling. So, him playing at every single position cannot blame you for feeling excited about seeing more of Oswaldo. Because Lord knows he's fun to watch. At Yanks2228 says, Hopefully Volpe will shine and we can see what all the hype is about. Well, yeah, it'd be good to get some looks. And you did get a look today. And he had himself a nice game. So if today is an indication of anything, he might have a pretty damn good showing this spring. Which is always great to see. Always. And the hype is always there, and you hear about what he does and what he did in AA, and even what he did in AAA for a while, even if he doesn't have too much time there as of yet. But 
and he most definitely will start there come the beginning of the season. But, yeah, for people who don't know that much about him, if he continues on a trend like he did today, had a double and a single, um, if he continues on that trend, then he's going he's gonna to get a lot of people's attention, as he deserves to. He's a talented kid, and just got to try to continue the type of game that he had today. At Greedy Stripe says, Volpe's progression and hopefully an end of spring training trade. Uh, so you're still holding out hope at the spring training trade, huh? <laughs> well, Volpe's progression, yeah, absolutely. Seems to be the uh, general consensus amongst a lot of these replies and a lot of people's opinions. And like I even said for myself with the younger guys, Volpe's a definitely big, a big part in that, so I can't fault you for being excited for him. Let's keep going. few more. At Eyes on Yanks is next, and they say, Seeing Jason Dominguez play in his first spring training. Well, he made a good first impression yesterday. <laughs> That's for sure. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I'm most looking forward to seeing the kids play. Dominguez, Volpe, Peraza, it's time we see what we've got with them. See if they are ready to make an impact at the major league level. Yeah, my thoughts are there too with the uh, with the excitement with the kids. You know that. But uh, Dominguez and Volpe are going to be waiting a while for. Peraza, I-, I want him to have the starting shortstop job. We know that. But uh, hopefully it's not too long before we see Dominguez and Volpe. But I'd be surprised if either, especially Dominguez, but if we see either of them really at much of any point in 2023. Maybe, Like I said, maybe. And even this is doubtful. Volpe towards the end. But... I mean, who knows? Maybe earlier if they have like an absolute crisis or so, for whatever reason. But we'll see. Anything could happen amidst a baseball season. Who the hell knows? At SYank underscore NYR says, I'm looking forward to these three things. Left field players. Do the Yankees have some good prospects as a possible fifth starter? And does Florial take a big step? Well, yeah, we even spoke about Florial with another outfield possibility and the fact that he has no minor league options left. And uh, this could be one of his last chances, if not his last, to finally prove himself, get some consistent playing time, and prove that he can take a job out there. But um, I don't know. I don't really see it working out. And, uh, and we'll see. I could be wrong. But he could take a big step this spring. He could. We'll see. The left field, yeah, and the left field players, Florial could be a part of that, as I just said. But as far as other ones, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. And the Yankees having good prospects as a possible fifth starter, you're probably going to either see Schmidt or Herman take that role, if I had to say. Likely. My friend Spencer, my buddy, at Musician DMD says, I love knowing at some point on a humid summer day or night that I'll be reflecting on games like today, watching them from a comfortable couch on a gloomy 25-degree day. I love the vibe of spring training, playing games without the distraction of their impact on the standings, watching the regular players play for the pure objective of playing competitively, veteran invitees get a shot to get back in the majors, and unfamiliar prospects possibly emerging like a dark horse and making their impact on the team, the franchise. Amen, Spencer. (laughs) Good long description of the beauty of spring training, I would say. Yeah, that that recaps it all basically in one... uh, in one long response, safe to say. Yeah, but that is that is the vibe. It really is. Along with everything that you said and the fact that, like, you know, like I said earlier, with why this time of year is always good for me, usually, especially if the weather is as nice as we've had it at times throughout these last few weeks here in New York. 
uh, between that, the sun staying out later, and spring training being right on the horizon and now actually being back, and just the overall weather making you feel in that spring mood and the circumstances of spring training, who's fighting for a spot, who has an invite, who's looking to have people have a first look at them for the future. It's all of it together. You basically hit the nail on the head. Basically all things that we all diehards feel. All of us. All right, up next is at Ange Pat Seven saying closers. Well, yeah, because they could be shifted around a lot. We've spoken about this. There could be multiple, per se, closers. I'm rooting for my boy Johnny Lowe, but Luizaga has also the last couple years had his spurts here and there where shoulder problems for him arise as well, and he usually misses at least a month or two or so. But other than that, my boy, is uh, he's been back for some time now, as we know, and it's been great seeing him pitch the way he has. I'm rooting for him. That's my guy with closing, with that sh- with that shoulder issue really being the main the main concern, basically the only one. But I mean, if he's healthy and those issues don't pop up anymore, then he's my closer. Otherwise, in general, and you'll probably see this anyway, even if Luizaga does do well. But you could just you could shift as many people as you want out of that role. You could have Luizaga close one day, and you could have Clay Holmes another one. Maybe Clay Holmes will get more closing appearances. Who knows? As long as he doesn't perform the way he did in most of the second half. <laughs> but um, you have him getting some closing appearances. You could have Marinaccio get some closing appearances. You could have Michael King get some closing appearances. Maybe if he, if the bullpen's short one day, and he comes in in the seventh inning or the eighth inning, maybe in long relief, get more than three outs and get a save at the end of it. Who knows? They, they could mix and match a lot with the bullpen that they have now. They don't really even have a definitive closer, which to some people, they consider that to be a bit of a turnoff. But I think it's good to have multiple options, even though I have my ideal closer in the back of my head. I'd really like Loizaga. But especially in the event that he gets hurt again, yeah, it helps to be able to uh, look to all different kinds of people to be able to close the game. I think all of them could do it at least for a little while. So... I mean, we'll see. A lot of these guys, fortunately, take on the mentality of, yeah, I'll do whatever job they tell me to do. So that's a plus. At Yankee Fan Justin says, obviously, Peraza and Volpe. Disappointing that Beater isn't there to showcase his stuff, but I think Randy Vasquez has the nastiest stuff in the organization. I want to see how he bounces back after today. Well, don't forget, today probably means yesterday because this was posted yesterday, as all my social media segments are on Saturdays. But I, I think, didn't didn't Beater pitch in one of the games today? I, I thought he did. Let me see. Uh, not in the Blue Jays game. I could swear that he had one appearance. Let me see. Yeah, he did in, uh, in the Braves game. So it was today. I just had the wrong game in mind. It was the Braves game. Yeah, he pitched, uh, he pitched two innings to finish off the game today against the Braves. Yeah, Clayton Beater, he's there. So he did get a shot today. I mean, yes, again, this was posted yesterday, so you don't, you know, you posted this before he got his appearance today, but he's there. He is. So he did walk two guys today, but he pitched two scoreless innings, struck out three, so hopefully we could get even more good looks at him. That'd be good. That's uh, who we got in the Gallo trade with Los Angeles. So it would be... Yeah, it'd be good to see him continue to showcase his stuff. And Randy Vasquez, too. Yeah, he, is, he has some good stuff. You're right about that. But uh, Beater is there. And obviously, Peraza and Volpe. Yeah, that goes without saying. Uh, 
All right, why don't we finish up with the usual final two. First up is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and she says, I guess what I'm looking most forward to is seeing how the players use this time to develop and improve their skills, especially pitching. To add, we've locked in Judge, and I trust him to hold his ground this season. But what I want to see is the rest of his teammates work on finding their flow as a team to back him up and take things to the next level. Well, I actually like what you said there at the end about Judge, because there is a key thing with that. If you remember 2022 amidst his God-tier season, the team basically marched to the beat of Judge's drum. It was like whatever he was doing for the most part, even though, yeah, he was unbelievable for the vast majority of the season, I would say the worst he was is probably towards the end where he started to slow down amidst the chase, you know, for 62 it was it was just chaotic, and his stats took a little bit of a hit, even though, don't get me wrong, it was still out of this world. But my point is, it seemed like the main one behind everything, and for even some of a, a decent chunk of 2022, that if it weren't for Aaron Judge, that there is a chance that the season would have fully collapsed. And he was far too relied on. And although he's expected, especially now even more so as the definitive captain at this point, although he's expected to lead the way, no single human being, whether it be judge or anybody, nobody can lead a team alone. Like, they could lead the way and be the leader, be the captain that the team needs them to be and that they should be. But you also need support. No one person can lead a team in baseball to a title by themselves. It's simply not possible. So they need to, like when Judge happens to go into a slump, and it will happen because Judge is still a human being. They all are. Everybody's going to hit a slump. Everybody's going to hit a hot streak. It's just part of the game. But when he goes into that slump, They can't exhibit the behavior that they showed a lot of the time in 2022. Concerning behavior at that. Just not being able to do a single thing without judges' contributions. That can't happen. So I like what you said there at the end, Vic, about the teammates finding their own flow as a team and backing judge up. Because every leader on every team needs backup. I don't care what anybody says. No one person can take a team to the promised land and have them win all alone. It's just not possible. And if you're expecting any single one person to do that in baseball, whether it be Aaron Judge or anybody else, then that's just not a realistic expectation. I don't know how else to say it. It's just not. The person needs help. The pitching needs to do their part. The rest of the lineup needs to do their part. The bullpen needs to do their part in closing out games. We saw in parts of 2022 how much it was of a nightmare it was when the Yankees could not find anybody to finish off the game. You felt that no matter how much they were leading by, the game was not over. Because things could fall apart in the end. So the rest of the team needs to do their part as well. So I like what you said there, and it's 100% true. I don't expect Judge, maybe he'll never never come close to this season, this sort of a season ever again. Because to ask someone to hit 60 plus home runs again, that, that would be, God tier wouldn't even be scratching the surface. But he could still have very good seasons, like 40 plus home runs, 50 plus home runs. He could very well do that again. But even amidst doing something that well, you still need the rest of the team to help out. You still do. 
That's just the fact of the matter. So I do like what you said at the end there, Vic. Definitely true. All righty, and last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, Hi, Mike. Hope your anticipation to baseball beginning again is as high as mine and all other Yankee fans. Eh, it's kind of high, Mom, you know. <laughs> Come on, of course it is. What I can't wait to see this season is Volpe. Let's go with this guy. It's been a long wait for this prize. Him and Peraza side-by-side at shortstop and second base. I wish Donaldson and Hicks would purposely mispractice like Chapman did so the front office would kick them out. <laughs> but we know that won't happen. Yeah, it's a safe bet. <laughs> You're funny, Mom. Put the best nine players on the field and to heck with the rest and their ridiculous contracts. Eat your mistakes. Put DJ at third base. Let's go, Yankees. Well, Ma, you know you're not going to get any blowback from me when it comes to the second half of your response all the way to the end. <laughs> and the start for you is understandable, too, just... Only thing I would warn is that do not expect Volpe to be on this team still for some time more. So, but yeah, ultimately, no doubt. Uh, the Yankees have put a great deal of trust and time into Peraza and Volpe, and, you know, every guy, everyone's going to want to see them pay off. They passed up on a lot of big names in anticipation of these guys actually playing a role here if they're not still dealt in a trade at some point before that time is to come. But, you know, you pass up on some of the names you do, you put as much stock in these guys as you have if you're the Yankees, and you're going to be putting a lot of pressure on those players and increase a lot of fans' expectations, whether those be unfair or not on the players. And it's unfortunate when they're unfair expectations, and the players have to fall victim to that a lot, and that's really the organization's fault. (laughs) But uh, it's the unfortunate truth about how things go, too. But I I wouldn't expect to see him really too soon, but uh, Peraza definitely more so, yeah, and hopefully the day is sooner rather than later, though, where we can see those two in the middle infield, so, but we shall see what happens, no doubt that the anticipation is obviously there, I mean, come on, who are you talking to, <laughs> and uh, DJ third, yep, everything about Donaldson, yep, 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 you're not going to get any blowback from me, and of course, let's go Yankees, and on that note, I think it's a pretty good note, to say that as for now, guys, that is all for episode 172 of Yapping Yankees Today. Remember, please, to follow me on all social medias if you do not already. My Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram, you can find me at MikeScuds97. Also, if you are not already, please be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. Those four are YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below if you're listening on YouTube. Show your love on any of the other three like you always do such a good job at doing, my friends. And if you have the time also, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes if you have missed any. Episodes 34 all the way up to episode 172 today are available on YouTube. And every single episode of Yapping Yankees, all the way back to episode 1 almost 4 years ago, all the way up to today, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today as always, my good people. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you 
next Sunday, as again, we are back to our weekly format on Yapping Yankees next Sunday, March 5th, when I come at you with episode 173 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, as always, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, go ahead and kick life's ass this week, and of course, with it being back, enjoy and soak in every moment of baseball being back. Because I know I am, and you ought to do the same. I'll talk to you next Sunday, my friends. Take care. (laughs) 